Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Do- uh, Texas Sports Spine. Hey, great to have you join our show. If you just catch our show for the very first time, we're a sports entertainment show with a sports medicine niche, and so we talk about what's going on in the sports world, but uh, maybe with a sports injury uh, niche, or maybe we're talking about your favorite team that maybe see who their favorite player, your favorite player is injured, how long it's going to take for them to be out, and maybe uh, what's going to take to get them back on the field again. And uh, you can join us each week and be part of our show by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and you can also uh, follow us on all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, all those. Uh, we'd love to have you part of our show that way as well. Hey, uh, I'm joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the voice of Grand Canyon University, and uh, he has been doing the long-time sports broadcaster for about the last, what, Ferris, 25 years or so, so great to have you with me today. Yeah, at least 25. I'm not that. I started when I was like three, so, you know, about 20, 25 years ago, so I'm 28 now. That sounds about right. Yeah, there you go, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not getting any younger, fair. So anyway, hey, you're here in this uh, opening uh, part right here. We want to talk about uh, you know how you can be part of our show, but also want to say thank you to all our wonderful sponsors, and you can be our sponsor by going to docsandjocks.com and uh, contacting us there as well. Also, want to tell you about some of the great guests we have coming on the show today. We're going to have on uh, shortly. We're going to have on Coach Ty Harrington and Coach Steve Trout. They are the head and assistant head baseball coaches at Texas State University, and man, they're doing great things down there, fair. They're building new. Uh, whole new complex with uh, their whole new baseball locker room, strength and conditioning programs. they got a turf, a brand-new turf field. They are one of the best college-attended programs in all of the country. Wow. They, they average, they have 1,000 season ticket holders, and they average uh, per game around 1,500 fans at a college baseball game. If you know anything about college baseball, that's really a pretty yeah, good crowd. Yeah, so they're yep. doing really, really good out great things down there in San Marcos. We'll be talking to Coach Ty Harrington and Coach Steve Trout. And then I'm really looking forward to this interview, uh, Ferris. We're going to have on uh, University of uh, Southern Carolina, I'm sorry, USC long snapper Jake Olson. He's a, get this, Ferris, blind long snapper. Have you got me? Blind long snapper playing for USC. Yeah. So we're going to have him talking about how he did that, how he got into it, what were his dreams, what were his aspirations, what caused him to go into wanting to become a football long snapper and done it well at the collegiate level. And then, as always, we're going to have on lovely Miss Tracy Mutton. She's been doing our mental minute, talking about how you can improve your strength uh, not only on the field through physical activities, but also through your mental strength. And she'll be doing that with her mental minute. She's with the edge mental strength. We always love having Miss Tracy Mutton on. So we won't want to miss all that and more here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. The Forge Training Facility, formerly D1, is the only sports training facility in West Texas that utilizes components of mental, physical, and spiritual training for adults and youth. With a wide variety of boot camps and strength classes throughout the day, our elite coaches will help you set and accomplish your goals. There is no better place or time to join. Come in or visit our website, theforgeabling.com, and get a one-week free trial. The Forge Abilene, where iron sharpens iron, changing lives one workout at a time. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. 
This is Dr. Dan Ferris Talk coming to you from inside our The Forge Abilene training facility. Hey, if you ever want to find out more about The Forge Abilene, go to theforgeabilene.com and you can find out all about our uh, sports training facility here. It's a small group workout with a personal coach at every visit. Man, love to have you part of that as well. Hey, Ferris, uh, this is the time of the year, man, when we all are getting excited about the big game. The Super Bowl obviously is uh, upon us, and uh, it's going to be by the time our show airs, probably about 24 hours from the time the game starts. I thought there's a couple of big sports medicine stories out there involving the uh, Super Bowl that you and I can talk about here in our opening segment. Barry Church, who's, uh, you know, we've had him on Docs and Jocks. In fact, if you've ever missed a previous interview, you can listen to those previous interviews by going to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, or docsandjocks.com, and there you can pick up uh, any previous interview we've done, like the one we did with Barry Church. But he got fined. He's the defensive back now, safety for the uh, Jaguars. And he remember, he laid out the big hit on uh, Rob Gronkowski that took Gronkowski, the Gronk, out of the game uh, in the AFC Championship game. He ends up getting fined $25,000. And so uh, it nearly really changed the entire makeup of the AFC because up to that point, and once Gronk went out, you didn't think Tom Brady maybe had it in him again to make a comeback like he eventually did. And uh, so what did you think about the hit one? And uh, it has been reported now that Gronk is going to be back for the Super Bowl. He has been cleared from the concussion protocol. But I thought he led with his shoulder. He did everything right except, you know, he hit Gronk in the head. And so, man, it's got to be a tough gig to be a safety nowadays in the NFL. What did you think about the hit just watching it from a fan standpoint? Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, Gronkowski, even uh, word is it he said, I, didn't, I don't think it was a bad hit. I mean, it's so hard if you lead with the shoulder and do things right, you're just going to have head-to-head contact at times. Yeah. You just can't get around it. Now, I think sometimes it is pretty obvious, you know, you know when a guy leads with their head, when it's more of a spearing or when they target. I think that's pretty obvious, but it's probably not very obvious when it's happening right at the moment, you yeah. know. It's so but, fast, um, too. Yeah, the football players know that's part of the gig, and Gronk doesn't, you know, he didn't he didn't hold any ill will against uh, Church for the hit. I don't know if he holds any ill will against anybody, really, Gronk. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. Such a knucklehead, who knows. But I did think it was really interesting that all the, the whole talk last week was, oh, will Gronk be cleared? And anybody, everybody's going, of course he's going to get cleared. What are you talking about? Yeah. Man? It, would, it would have to be really, really, really bad for him not to get cleared to play, and, he, and he's cleared. You know, a lot of the talk about the miracle in Minneapolis when, you know, the great throw from uh, Case Keenum, and the reason that the uh, safety missed uh, on the on the wide receiver was because he was afraid of either doing pass interference or going high and trying to you know take the guy out. And then there'd been a penalty. Stop clock would have stopped. They kick a field goal. They win the game. So it may play slightly. I don't know if that was what happened there or not. But it may play slightly in the psyche of either a safety or a defensive back that I can't lead with my head. I can't lead with my shoulder. I can't hit him in the head. And therefore, you know, plays like that happen. So yeah. it definitely could be. Uh, are you part of that belief, or do you think he just missed the tackle? I think it's going to happen, you know. I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're going to lead and do it all correctly, and then the guy ducks at the yeah. last – I mean, you, can't, you don't know if he's going to do that, or the ball's tipped, or it's just off. I mean, I'm amazed there's not more – I mean, I'm just always – I'm amazed that more guys don't get hurt on every play in the NFL, and I'm amazed that there's not more head-to-head, head-to-head hits. I'm, I'm kind of amazed by that because you just – Guy's going up in the air to make it. He's focused on the ball. He's not worried about where his head's at. It's just yeah. going to be wherever it's going to be, you know? Yeah, you know, I think we're spoiled as fans when you watch a game from an armchair standpoint. You're watching it on TV, and you get to see the slow-mo on everything as if that's the way it really happens in life. But Gronkowski making a great catch over the middle, coming down, Barry Church coming full speed. These are guys that probably both run, you know, in the mid-fours and their, uh, you know, 40-yard dash. Big, powerful, strong guys. It's just going to happen. It's just we don't get – they don't get the – you know, 
benefit of what we get of seeing everything in slow motion and should he have moved his head and should he have moved his shoulder, did Gronk, you know, duck into it, that's why he got hit. It's so, so difficult for these guys. I really think the hardest job, I thought this was before all these rules came out that are trying for safety protection and, they, and for player protection. They need to be out there. But I thought really the cornerback and the safety always have had the hardest jobs on a football field. You're trying to cover the fastest, quickest guys on the planet. They know where they're going, and you don't, and you've got to stay with them. So they already had a hard job to start with. Now you start implementing rules where they got to make sure they don't lead with their shoulder that hits them in the head. They don't lead with their head that hits them in the head. It's a tough gig they got going on, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't understand, and I, I've never looked into it. So maybe they have it all laid out. But why do you find a guy twenty five thousand dollars? Why? Do you, where do they come up with these I numbers? I, you know, because most football players look and go, well, that wasn't a bad hit. It's just unfortunate that it happened that way. You know. So yeah. why do you get fined then? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because. But the NFL, the NFL is just weird about that. I don't. I don't know how you can. They're trying set to make a, the statement rules, that know? player safety now matters to them. Is really what they're trying to do, and so they're trying to make that statement by finding guys every time someone gets hit in the head, every time somebody you know gets a concussion, there had to be somebody at fault for it. When in reality, football is just a violent game. You're going to get your head shaken around. Remember, it's in in the movie Concussion. I thought they explained it the best. It's like a peach inside of a glass jar and that glass jar is filled with water, you shake the jar and the peach is going to slam against the side and is going to bruise the peach. That's the analogy of your brain inside of a bony skull. It's going to so, happen. So, you know, it's funny. It's because I, and I, and I don't, I was listening to a sports talk show and they were talking about the new maybe XFL and they're like, well, maybe they can design like a really huge helmet so they can prevent <laughs> concussion. I'm yeah. like, that's not the point. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know how it would it'd have to be so big it could shock absorb so it didn't slosh your brain. I mean, and that's like almost impossible to do. So you're never I would say never, but you're more than likely a long time away from preventing concussion by an equipment change. Yeah. Well, think of it like this. If you take that glass jar with the peach inside that's filled with water, the jar is filled with water and you put styrofoam all the way around the jar, but you shake the jar violently, it's still going to slosh the peach inside the water filled jar, is it not? Yeah, there I you mean, go. I mean, that's what that's, do you do, right? Yeah, therein lies the dilemma. So, how you n- don't have the peach slosh inside the jar when there's movement going through that whole that whole, you know, object? It's so so difficult. So, I get this question from parents. Oftentimes, before season starts, I'll get texts or called, and they'll say, "What is the best helmet for my child to prevent concussions?" Because concussions are now on the American psyche because we know that football is associated with long-term brain problems if you continue to have multiple concussions and multiple hits. So I always answer in the same way. Really, the helmet is for facial protection. It's to prevent you having a fracture of your orbits, a fracture of your nose, a fracture of your jaw, prevent you from having lacerations on your face. It is not going to protect the brain that is inside. To, to, to an extent, it even accelerates it because you now can use your head as a battering ram. And whereas if you didn't have the helmet, you and I have talked about that, if you take the helmet away, you would decrease the concussions. You would dramatically increase the oral maxillofacial fractures you would have due to running into other hard objects with your face. So it's, the guys would protect their the guys would protect their head a lot more without a face mask. I mean, there would still be the, <laughs> the guys who would just throw it in there and say, oh, I don't care what happens. But there'd be a lot of guys going in for tackles. That's what Deion, Deion Sanders didn't realize he had a face mask. <laughs> he protected his face even with the equipment on when he tried to tackle yeah. guys. Yes, he did. I saw it's funny. Uh, Deion was giving a tackling uh, advice somewhere on one of the uh, NFL network channels. I was like, wow, that's kind of funny. He was giving tackling. <laughs> Just because you don't do it doesn't mean you don't know how to <laughs> don't do it. Don't know how to do it, yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is how I would tackle a running back? Now, 
I would like just move out of the way and let my safety come in and do it. Yeah. I'd let, uh, you know, Woodson do it, but I, this is how I, I watch him do it, you know? Yeah. When Dion was giving the uh, advice about tackling, it felt like when I give my, adv- my advice to my son freely about how to hit a slider, I'm like, this is how you hit a slider, son. I know I didn't do it ever in my career playing college baseball, but if I were going to do it now, this is what I would try to do. So it's kind of I funny. know how to do it. I know how to do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, very, very similar. So, Hey, Tom Brady, the quarterback, obviously, for the New England Patriots, going to be in the Super Bowl coming up. He, uh, Tom Brady now has had 12. He tells the story of what happened under the glove. Remember under the glove last, last uh, week we talked about it. We weren't sure what was going on in there. Was it a ligament sprain? Was it a laceration to his thumb area? Well, come to find out, he had 12 stitches removed prior to the game that had been in his hand after he had collided with another one of his own players in practice. And what happened was he had cut the web space of the thumb and had 12 stitches. He had them removed, and he had – it was interesting. There was a guy that went – a doctor that went to a conference out in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Obviously, where all great things happen, you, Ferris. And everything, uh, everything. All medical advancement happens in the desert. Exactly. And he actually was listening to this conference, and there was they were talking about using KT tape, which is a kinesio tape, that is often used. You've seen like Serena Williams. A lot of tennis players use it. There'll be that kind of funky pattern on the back of their shoulder. Where yeah, yeah. Everybody that uses that now. Yeah, it's real sticky, and it also allows you to have movement, but it holds things together. So, in the conference, he was talking to this guy, and he was on the got on the phone with the New England uh, Patriots medical staff, and was talking about, hey, I think this would work for Tom's thumb because it's an area where there's a lot of movement. So it's when you have a laceration on an area like say a joint that skin moves every time you move your joints, it tends to pull it open. So mm-hmm. what they did is they used KT tape underneath his glove. He still wore a glove, but they took the stitches out so it wouldn't bother him. He used the KT tape, and then he wore the glove. And, man, it didn't seem to affect him at all. I mean, if you're watching Tom Brady play that game, especially on the, the last drive against the Jaguars, it seemed like he was perfectly fine and dandy with having KT tape under the glove. Are we taking Tom's word on this? <laughs> I mean, are, are, I mean, it's, it's like, is this, what is, what's with Boston and, like, a pin? I mean, they've got the bloody sock. You know, and people are saying he put ketchup on it. Now that's going to be like the Hall of Fame. I mean, do we really have – did anybody see that? Or is this just like adding to the legacy? He has not done one with stitches. He has not done a presser yet without having the glove on. So it's kind of like the Michael Jackson glove. He has the one glove. He's using a presser. He's saying there's stitches underneath there. But do we really know? What's re- maybe this is all just to psych out the other team that maybe Tom Brady won't be himself, maybe won't play as good. Maybe it's just Bill and Tom being Bill and Tom and doing their thing better than everybody else does their thing, and they now are going to go for, what, their sixth Super Bowl? Gonna time I'm conflicted. I'm, yeah, they're sixth. I'm conflicted on this because, you know me, I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I'm assuming that he's lying and that nothing really happened. But he's also like the perfect individual, so he never he would never lie. So I, I'm just <laughs> conflicted on Tom Brady. I just we need Johnny Cochran, rest his soul, to come back and do some. Hey, take off the glove if the glove Doesn't is removed fit. and the stitches are not there, then. You are a liar, and we are going to kick you out of here, or whatever. I mean, we need Johnny Cochran. If the glove doesn't fit, must have quit. There so, you go. yeah, the Under Armour glove is what he's using for protection. So, Under Armour has got a ton, a ton of free marketing and press out of this whole thing. Tom Brady has not done a press conference yet without this Under Armour glove. He's talking about how great it is and how you know useful it's been, and he's going to use this glove. And it's on his throwing hand, so, you know, it's pretty cool that he's actually given all this information out about Under Armour gloves. I bet you this year in high school quarterbacks in this coming year, you'll see a lot of Under Armour gloves on a throwing hand. What do you think? I bet you will, too. And this goes back to our other discussion. They talk about getting rid of performance-enhancing drugs, but there's so much performance-enhancing equipment. equipment. Like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, you would have had to just gut it out with some Johnny tape Johnny Unitas would have had to throw that ball with blood on Put his hand. Put some dirt on it. Yeah, Put some I've done dirt it old school, man. Yeah, Tom Brady, go old school. Please, we're tired of it. 
Hey, when we come back, we're we'll talking more to a couple of great coaches, Coach Steve Trout, Coach Ty Harrington. Hey, stay with us here on Docs and Jocks. Great having you with our Sports Medicine Radio Show. We'll be right back. Listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown! Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you with us today. If you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about your sports medicine radio show, you can do so by docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. This is Dr. Dan, I'm joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, we are always honored to have uh, some great guests, and we are very, very excited about these guests we have online today. We have on Coach Ty Harrington and Coach Steve Trout. They are the head baseball coach and assistant head baseball coaches at Texas State University with the Bobcats. Coach Harrington has been there 19 years as the head coach of Texas State. He has 591 wins, Ferris. He has uh, two Southland Conference Coach of the Year awards, has uh, won at least 29 games and posted a winning record 16 of his 18 years at Texas State, three NCAA championship regional bursts. He has 46 of his players, Ferris, that have been drafted in the Major League uh, Baseball draft. You might know a guy out in your area, Ferris, out in Arizona, Paul Goldschmidt was a Texas State Bobcat alum. I've heard of him. Yeah, and Coach Trout played with uh, Texas Christian University. He was a Horned Frog and played with some of those great players, those great teams he had with Jake Arrieta and Matt Carpenter. Then he went on and played professionally himself. So, Coach Trout, Coach Harrington, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. All right. So, hey, man, season is right upon us. I know this is a busy time of the year for both you guys. Appreciate you being on. Tell us what it's looking like with uh, the Texas State Bobcat baseball team right now as you guys are getting ready to open up against Oklahoma State University. Yeah, you know, right now we're in our uh, beginning phases. We had our first round of inter-squad games last week on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, we're trying to get back into the game mode and trying to get guys you know, out of their off-season mode, back into getting ready to play, you know, real games and um, and trying to get our pitchers built up right now, inning-wise, pitch count-wise, and hitters trying to see as many at-bats as they – or have as many at-bats as they can. And and uh, and then no substitute in the world for, for live ground balls and live balls hit. And so um, we're trying to really right now emulate playing a game as much as possible. And, uh, and so that's the phase of it right now. We've still got, you know, a week and a half, two weeks before we open up with Oklahoma State. I guess it's two weeks from today now that I think about it. Because um, I, 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 like Coach Trout, probably a day or two ago woke up and our stomach started hurting just <laughs> yeah. a little bit, started getting nervous yeah. for the first time. Trying to make sure we were ready, right? That's right, so absolutely. That's we're and we're Coach- trying to get ready right now. And Coach Trout, uh, I, I know it has to be almost probably a relief for you when you start the season. Uh, tell our listening audience if they don't know how the baseball world works, but you're the head recruiting coordinator for Texas State University, and you're really your busy, busy time of the year is when you are in the off season. You're out recruiting, so it has to be in some ways almost like, yeah, the season's here. Let's get it going. That's right. You know, it's vacation time for us right now, yeah. so it's a uh, good time to catch your breath over the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas break, and then. Obviously, put all your focus towards our team to, to start the season off, and um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's hard to, to to get out and recruit during the year just because we have games on the same night. Right. So, uh, you know, we we do this for to win baseball games, and and that's the most important part. And so we're we're excited to get out there and coach our guys, and not have to worry about uh, you know leaving practice early or missing a practice, and and uh, you know can push that usually towards the summers into the fall. Absolutely, Ferris. 
Hey, Coach Harrington, you know, you guys had a nice little run in the Sun Belt Tournament last year, beat uh, Coastal Carolina uh, before you guys uh, ended the season. But um, how, how did you feel like your team was playing toward the end there last year? But more importantly, who do you got coming back? Uh, what, what are your hopes and uh, what do you think for the team going forward this season? Well, you know, what I would say, you know, let's we'll start with the first part of that question was the end of last year. We, we spent the month of April. At one point in time, we looked up, we had five starters out and, um, you know, not very many teams survived something like that. And we, we had a really bad month of April. And then, uh, we caught our breath a little bit, got some guys back in the lineup, um, and started really playing better, um, the last, you know, two weekends of the season and then heading into the tournament, um, and caught some momentum. And, uh, and so we, we, we were starting to play, um, better baseball. We're a lot of, the guys that were on that team a year ago are back at lineup wise with the exception of, of one and, uh, Teddy Hoffman, who was an all American last year and trying to replace him. He's now in professional baseball. And, and then one of the guys that was slated uh, to, to replace him had, has, uh, a season ending injury that we're, that he's having to deal with. And so, um, but the majority of our lineup is back. This is probably the most experienced infield. Um, I will have had here in, in probably my career as far as a number of reps playing next to each other, two and sometimes three years for some of these guys. Uh, and then our outfield has a chance to be incredibly fast and, and cover lots of territory. And then we led the Sun Belt in a lot of offensive uh, areas last year, and uh, which is what Coach Trout's area is. And uh, we're really excited about the experience. You know, sometimes – Experience comes in two different forms, right? And from our pitching side of it, um, you can get it through success and confidence, which is the one we all favor the most yeah. and would love to have. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is is failure, and uh, but it's still an experience. And uh, so, if you have talent um, and you and you fail and you continue to learn from it and understand why you might have failed, um, that's a valued uh, commodity in your brain and your emotions. And then, uh, hopefully, what you think leads into your physicality of of learning how to, to, to succeed, and I think that's where um, some of our pitching is. Uh, we had guys who had good years last year but could certainly be way better and, and will be better, and we hope through that experience this year. Yeah. Hey, Coach Trout, um, how difficult is it, or how do you guys as coaches try to carry some of that momentum over, and is it maybe easier with some more experienced guys, but can you carry momentum from season to season with that long break in between? Yeah, I definitely think you can. Obviously, uh, the guys have done a great job in the weight room, getting bigger and stronger and faster. And, uh, you know, coach hits on all the time. When you're, when you're feeling the best, um, with your body, as far as as strong as you are and the best shape you've ever been is usually the most confident you've ever been. And so our guys heading into the season are very confident from what they did last year. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I've stayed, especially on the offensive side is we have expectations of what we should be as an offense and, um, you know, a team like South Alabama was, was even better than we were. And so we were really good. We weren't the best. Uh, but when, when you have expectations, you, you got to show up to work every day and not just, you know, assume it's going to happen. You got to find a way to get better. And, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge every day to, to put pressure on our guys and, and to find challenging drills or rounds to, you know, to, to create habits of, of uh, having pressure on them. And so we've tried to do that and we'll continue to do that throughout the season. But they've handled it well. They're, they're a mature bunch. It's been a, been a weird coaching year because there's not a lot of new things to teach it's been more about um just our expectations and trying to um you know make our expectations making making the postseason and so they've done a good job working towards that 
Hey, you're listening to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, and we're speaking with uh, Coach Ty Harrington and Coach Steve Trout of Texas State University's uh, baseball program. And, guys, you got a big uh, baseball banquet coming up, a big kickoff uh, ceremony. You're going to have one of your uh, former alums, Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie's going to be talking there. So tell us about what's, what, how excited you are to have that happening. Yeah, you know, we, we started doing this almost now probably some eight years ago, having us lead off dinner. It was really to kind of introduce the team, uh, it was also a fundraiser, and then it just kind of grew into a, a great event that um, I like to tell people. It's a bunch of baseball coaches putting on a huge event in the <laughs> middle of trying to prepare for a season. Yeah. So you can imagine it's not probably, you know, Hollywood-type uh, event, but it's certainly for us is a, a great moment. Our kids really enjoy the night. Uh, Goldie's going to come in and speak. He's um, He's been unbelievable. Um, you know, the stories of, of Paul and when he was here as a player and then now the, the stories of Paul after he's um, been gone and, and, and out on his own and, and everything that you probably imagine or think uh, in a positive way about Paul Goldschmidt is probably true and then even more so. Wow. Um, he's one of the most remarkable um, people. I tell people all the time that they would ask, you know, questions about Paul and it was always – he was – he was the smartest, most efficient, and determined and committed player that I'd probably ever coached because he just he had a plan every day about what he was going to do to make himself better, and, and he would stick to it. That's hard for all of us as humans. Yeah. And uh, But he was one of the – at a young age, he was able to do that, and that's not changed for him. It continues on, and, and it speaks as to why arguably he's the third, fourth best player in, in, in all of in the world in, yeah. in baseball, truthfully. And uh, so we, we're, we're, we're grateful to have him. Uh, his dad's going to be there with us also and his family and his mom. And so uh, if you're ever around them, you'll certainly understand where he gets uh, a lot of his talent as a person. That's awesome. Ferris? Hey, Coach Harrington, I was going to ask you what makes Paul Goldsmith the consummate ball player, but you just you nailed it with that <laughs> answer. But did he, did he come there that way? I mean, has he always been that way? Is that something that's kind of been bred? Or can you guys kind of as coaches help guide guys to have that type of uh, work ethic and that, that ball player mentality? Look, I would really love to sit over and beat my chest and tell you that I, we created that guy in, in that way. But uh, the truth of the matter is, he, you know, the very first practice that I ever had with Paul, we were trying to play him at third base. And um, his arm action wasn't, you know, the cleanest. And, uh, and I was trying to show him a handful of things about throwing a baseball and your footwork, just being an infielder. And I came out the next day about 45 minutes before practice and, and Goldie was already out there doing it. And uh, so you got a you got a hint. And then, you know, the stories are legendary of him being here on his own, uh, working in the cages and hitting on his own and doing different things. But there was always a plan behind it. That's the thing that's remarkable. Uh, most guys get in there and just start banging balls or throwing balls without a, a true plan of what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but Goldie was always smart enough to do that. And, uh, and so I'd love, I think, We'd all love to take credit for his success, <laughs> but uh, he, he, is, he is who he is and a product of himself and his family. Hey, if anybody's ever seen the Texas State University baseball players up close, there are some physical specimens. And Coach Trout, speak to the, the new uh, strength and conditioning facility you're having built out there and some of the cool things happening that are all new, like the new turf you have on the field, the new baseball offices and locker rooms. It's got to be a very exciting time to be a Texas State Bobcat. Oh, it's awesome. You know, it's Anytime you, you show up to work and you see a crane, you, you're happy because that means there's <laughs> something new going up. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it's it's been a little different this year because we lost the weight room. 
while they're building the two new ones. And so uh, we jumbled that around. But, oh, it's, it's really exciting every day to see uh, something new going up or another piece of glass going up. And so once it's all said and done, uh, we'll have a new locker room and a new two new weight rooms, new offices, new training rooms. Uh, we're putting turf on the field this summer, new dugouts. And so um, there's there's a lot of neat things ahead for us, and we're, we're truly excited for our players, to be honest with you, to, to get to experience all that. Right. Hey, Coach Trout, break, break down the Sunbelt Conference for me this year. I mean, of course, everybody knows of Coastal Carolina, that that incredible uh, teams that they put together in that run to the national championship. But uh, how, how's the conference looking coming up in 2018? You know, it's a, it's a very challenging one. Uh, you know, just on our side, um, in the West, you have, of course, Louisiana Lafayette is always the one uh, you yeah. have to you have to get through, but uh, from top to bottom, I think that's one thing that makes the Sun Belt really good is the teams that finish 12th have a chance to sweep you at any point in time, and so you truly emotionally and, and mentally have to show up every day uh, to get after it. But of course, you got Louisiana Lafayette, you got UTA on our side that that's always good. Um, you go to the East, you got Coastal Carolina, and then the team that's really making noise um, throughout the nation right now, South Alabama, and. and well-deserved. They're really, really good on offense. They're uh, really good on the mound, and they know how to win, and they expect to win. And so, you know, this could be a team, I think, this year where three to four teams get out of our conference uh, to make a regional. And so it's it's really, really tough, but it's a fun challenge every day to show up at the ballpark. Hey, both of you guys come from uh, incredibly storied programs, TCU, University of Texas. Coach Harrington, tell us what it's like uh, playing against your old, uh, you know, alma mater, UT, and uh, going up against them and beating them. Yeah, you know, it used to, it probably used to be a little bit different for me when I first got here because it was, I'd, I'd played there and I'd coached there and and um, I'd worn orange and white for eight years and it, it was a little bit different for me. Uh, now it's it's part of the job, it's part of the process, it's part of the season. Um, it's, you know, when you pull into the stadium, there's always that, yeah, you're, you're going back home kind of feeling, but... Um, you know, I mean, the, the idea as soon as you put your foot on the pavement in there is that you, it's or on the turf in there, it's time to go try to figure out how to win a game. And, um, you know, I mean, it's always special when you beat them just because it's University of Texas. And, uh, and so it used to probably be a lot different than what it is today. Um, but uh, it's still exciting, and we're always proud to get a chance to, to tee it up and play against them. And, and uh, certainly proud and excited they'll be here at uh, our ballpark this year again, too. Awesome. Hey, Coach, you know, you, you, you get into the conference play and you got to have those midweek games. I, I thought you were supposed to get some little easy games in there. You got Texas, <laughs> you got Bay. I mean, what are you guys doing scheduling these tough midweek matchups? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, this started about 10 years ago, 12 years ago now that I think about it. And um, we created a little bit of a monster. You know, we used to have a saying when we were trying to build a program here that we'd play anybody anywhere and um, – any time, and, it, and it, it got to be where we probably overdid it a little bit at times. But then our fan base and our season ticket base, which is um, really, you know, we're around a thousand season tickets, and every year we're going to be in the top fifty, usually in the country, and in, in uh, attendance, and um, and our, and then our alumni, and then uh, and then the current players we recruit to it. And uh, the one of the beauties of the great state of Texas is that uh, I don't think that there's a, you know, a state in the country that possesses um, the type of baseball we have here. I know the West Coast and Florida um, are always you know, talked about in, as great baseball states, and they are. But, but 
Uh, I'm a proud Texan, and uh, I'm certainly proud of all the great baseball here and the programs, the coaches, the players, uh, our high school players, everybody that uh, are a part of this. And so we're excited about the, what our I'm at Tuesday. Bye. Well, Coach Harrington, Coach Trout, I want to say thank you so much for being on Docs. And Josh, wish you and the Texas State University Bobcat baseball team the best of luck this this year and uh, hopefully see you in the College World Series. Thank you so much. We look forward to it. Thank you. All right. Hey, hey, we're right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Sylvan Learning Center, Dr. Melton Chiropractic, and Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you with us today. Hey, I know a lot of you guys who travel, especially when you have kids who are doing like sporting events all over the all over the state of Texas or Arizona, wherever you're listening to our show. So remember, you can listen to our show anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast. And I listen to tons of podcasts when I travel, so this would be a great way to listen to your show. Maybe if you're not uh, in you know, a listening area the, this this weekend or whenever you're going to be listening to our show, and just go to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D O X N. J-O-X, or maybe you have a family member that uh, you think would like our show, you can tell them to uh, listen to our podcast as well, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Man, uh, I have on uh, my co-host this week, is, uh, or filling in right now for Ferris, is Brandon Hawk. Brandon is the former Dallas Cowboys athletic trainer as well as a Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, athletic trainer. And, Hawk, I listen to tons of, of podcasts. I, I, I yeah. learn a ton. I've been listening to uh, Primal Blueprint with uh, Mark Sisson, and I, I like the different podcasts because I get different perspectives on sports medicines and and sports medicine and healthy ways to live my lifestyle. And it's a great way to pass time when you're doing a lot of traveling. You know, I live in Abilene, Texas, which those who don't know where Abilene is, we're about three hours from the nearest uh, sin because we're we're about three hours from (laughs) Dallas. We're about three hours from Midland and about three hours from Lubbock. So we have to travel a lot if we're going to be doing sporting events with our kids. And, you know, you got young girls are getting involved with it now, my daughters and son. So I do a lot of traveling on the weekends. And I really enjoy listening to those different podcasts. I know you do too. Do you, do you know some? What are your, some of your favorite ones you've gotten to listen to? Yeah, over the years? here recently, he's a little candid, but uh, Arian Foster, the former running back. Oh yeah, for the yeah, Texans, yeah. He is a little candid. He yeah. had uh, Inky Johnson on recently, who's one of my favorite speakers right now. Uh, yeah. Inky Johnson. If he had a podcast, I'd listen to it. But yeah, Arian's really good though because he doesn't think like you or I. And so sometimes he brings a perspective. You're like, okay, that can make sense, but I normally wouldn't think like that. And yeah. so it is unique and fun to hear a bunch of these guys. I know you like the uh, the former SEAL guy. Oh, yeah, uh, Marcus Utrell. Yeah, yeah, Team Never Quit. Yeah, him and Dave Rutherford. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty cool too. They have a lot of guys. What they do is they talk – they interview people – that have unique lifestyles that have survived or overcome things that you think there is no way anybody could ever do it, survive it, whether it's SEALs, whether it's, uh, I don't know, uh, Nyad, Diane Nyad swam from Cuba to Florida in her 60s. I mean, there's crazy stuff you listen to people. And when you hear it, you get inspired. So I try and do that here on Docs and Jocks. I, we yeah. interview people not only that talk about sports uh, like we've done with our coach, Coach Harrington and Coach Trout, but also guys who've overcome. And we're getting ready to have on uh, Long Snapper for uh, – USC, who is blind, Jake Olson, and how he overcame that. So I, I think I want to inspire people to be better as well and, and maybe overcome things. When you listen to a guy who taught himself how to long snap with blindness, then you're like, well, why can't I go start getting healthy no matter where I'm at right now in my life? Why can't I start doing those kind of things that get me there? Maybe you're not jumping from I'm you know, at point A in my health and lifestyle, fitness level. 
why can't I don't have to go to Z immediately, but I yeah. can I can take the baby step to get to point B, and then the baby step to get to point C, and keep on working that way. And that's what we try and do here on Docs and Jocks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you know being in the production room here a lot of times, I I get to listen to you guys, and so you know hearing guys like Dave Dravecki, oh and, great and story, just all yeah. these guest Jake Olson today that we'll have on later just hearing these stories of like how they overcame these things Mm -hmm. and just you know we'll have our mental minute here with Tracy Munton here in a little bit and just the tips and uh, things that she can have for us that uh, really we get these things in our mind and start believing that we can actually do these things and that you know you're capable of doing more than you actually can believe yourself oh absolutely and one of the beauties of where we where our show comes from we come from inside the forge abilene it's a sports training facility i'm literally right now as we're broadcasting the radio show looking out onto a group of athletes and we've had some of these athletes on like your lovely wife caitlin hawk who came on and talked about her fitness story and how she got to where she is now and i'm looking at people that are all different levels of fitness and here here's Here's the big problem with people who may be listening thinking, I can't do what those people are doing. I was talking to a good friend of mine last night, and he's like, I don't want to go there because I'll be in last place. If you use that mentality to go through life that you're never going to try and achieve because you believe that you would fail at whatever it is you're achieving, you will never take the first step to start your, your, the road to success. Yeah. So don't let the fear of failure and your body, your mind will tell you that in all different ways. Some people are kind of geared that way. And he and I try to tell him it's not about a competition with everybody else. In fact, we do very few competitions yeah. out here. Mainly it's working out in a small group. You never know where what anybody else is and what they're doing. You're really competing with yourself on a day-to-day basis of can I be better today yeah. than I was yesterday? So never let the fear of wanting to fail stop you from taking the first step towards achieving a goal that everybody can reach. And so a lot of the stories we've had, like Dave Drabecki, who overcame basically bone cancer in his arm, came back and pitched. Then he ended up having his arm amputated and now is a very successful speaker. He never let those obstacles stop him in the tracks. He could have said, oh, woe is me. My arm got amputated because of bone cancer. I'm never going to do anything else in life. I was one of the greatest pitchers in the National League. But no, he did not do that. He did not sit and wallow in where he was in the moment. He said, I'm going to become someone great in another area of life. And that's the great stories that I love having here in Docs and Jocks. Yeah, you know, as you were talking about Dave there, I thought about another one, Dr. Dan, that was Jim the Rookie Morris. I oh, mean, Jim Morris is a great one, man. Shoulder issues, gave yes. up, and his teammates, his high yep. school teammates – told him, just spoke life into him, and he's like, gosh, these guys are doing it. So it's amazing. I mean, even a high school kid convinced an older man to go back, and he made it back to the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. Jim Morris has become a friend of mine. He's the rookie, the guy from the movie The Rookie. And uh, you're right. You can be also – here's a way to think about it. You can also be the person that talks into someone else's life that they can achieve even when they feel like everything is washed up. Yeah. And without Jim Morris having that team and those people encouraging him and pushing him, he would have never tried because – he would have went by conventional wisdom, which says, I'm going to stop now because I'm a certain age, and after a certain age, you can't be great anymore. Yeah. Well, that's only something that you've done in your mind, right? That's just something, an age is a number in your mind. Satchel Page said, if you didn't know how old you were, how old would you be? So he's, in essence, saying, you know, I, he, Satchel Page was a great pitcher in the Negro Leagues that pitched over the age of, into his 40s, maybe into his 50s. He didn't know his birth date, so he didn't know exactly how old he was. Yeah. So, yeah, letting things like age, letting things like, I'm not in good enough shape, I'm not going to be as good as everybody else, that's just defeatism. And you can't think that way. If you're not going to think that in your mind, I have the ability to be great, you will never be great. 
So I was, I've talked to a lot of people here on Docs and Jocks, a lot of great athletes over the years. One of my favorite I talked to is Corey Aldridge. And, and Corey was a great baseball player that had numerous, numerous injuries, but probably one of the greatest hitters to ever, never really get a chance. He got up into the big leagues and played for a short while. But he had a great point the other day. He's like, if you are going to, in your mind, not tell yourself that you're the greatest, you will not have the confidence to ever get started on the road to success. And Corey, it, it, he he's a very confident individual. Yeah. But that's how he got to where he was and being the successful player he was and playing, I think, professionally for 16 years in the big leagues because he had that inner confidence. And so what I'm telling people, if you're listening to the show saying, I'm not going to start a fitness program, I'm not going to start eating right, I'm not going to start taking care of myself because I'm always going to be in last place, you're just defeated. You're defeated yeah. before you started. Yeah. So the biggest obstacle when I watch people out here working out and I see a sweet, sweet 60-plus-year-old uh, lady working out to you next to your beautiful wife who is a physical specimen. <laughs> That's the beauty of what we do out here, right? Yeah. Everybody is starting somewhere. And your wife, Caitlin, talks about how she didn't start where she's at now. She started yeah. at a place where she was very much felt out of shape and very Overweight, much felt yeah. very, very uh, you know, uh, self-aware that she wasn't where she wanted to be. But she took the baby steps to get where she is. So, man, just take the first step. If the Forge Abilene is a place that you want to start, that's great, man. We'd love to have you be here. But whatever it is that you like to do, let that place be the place that you're going to start and get started. Take the first step, which, by the way, the first step is really the hardest step. And when you're, when you're a person who feels like you can't do it, that you can't live up to whatever it is that you put in your own mind that you are self-limited to, if you don't take the first step, you'll never be on the road to recovery. Yeah, Dr. Dan, that's a great point. And, you know, I think of another guy I saw out there a while ago, and this is part of the problem too. A lot of times people come in here and they see people that have been here for three or four years. They, and they're like, man, those people are in really good shape. But what they don't see is when that person came in here four yeah. years ago, John out there, just yeah. an amazing guy. Yep. And has, he's got an amazing transformation. If you saw John three or four years ago, you'd be like, oh, my goodness. He could barely get around. He yeah. was overweight. He needed his hip replaced. He was limping when he came in, and he just started. He got his hip replaced. He lost the weight. He changed his lifestyle. He looks incredibly fit now, and it's just because he made the conscious decision to take the first step. He would be a guy that would be very easy for him to have said, I'm too heavy. I'm too out of shape. Yep. My hip hurts too bad. I can't exercise. I have a bad hip. Do you know what? The great saying is motion is lotion. I'm a sports medicine doctor. All I do all day long is see people with bad backs, bad hips, bad shoulders, bad knees. The people that do the best are the people that I can somehow convince. And I'm not a, I'm not a great convincer because <laughs> I've been doing this a long time, and I've determined that if you have the mindset that you can't, it is very difficult until, until you figure it out on your own that you can do something as opposed to I can't. Yeah. If I try and convince them, all I do is I say I can lead a horse to water. I can't make him drink. Yeah. Motion <laughs> is lotion. If you are going to get over knee arthritis, hip arthritis, shoulder pain, you have to start by moving that joint. you got to move your body. We know that the good things that happen inside joints called synovial fluid, the, the thing that gives you the lubrication of the joint, those things occur with motion. If you get immobile, if you get too weak, if you stop being active because something hurts, it's only going to hurt more. You're only become more inactive. You're only become weaker. And the next time you try and do the activity, it worsens. So you fall into this downward spiral, I call it, of immobility, pain, discomfort, weakness, followed by more immobility, pain, discomfort, weakness. you got to break the cycle somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, my, my wife, Caitlin, you know, you mentioned she's 
in really good shape, but, you know, she didn't used to be that way. You know, she's helped me a lot, too, in, in areas and a bunch of other people. Is people think they have to eat like Tom Brady starting tomorrow. Yeah. And what she preaches to all these girls and people that she talks to is do one thing different than you did last week that's better for yourself. Make yeah. one good choice this week and start adding them on top of each other. So if you have trouble with sweets, go a week and, you know, maybe limit the sweets that yeah. week or something. Just drink more water. Just make a few small steps and build upon them. You don't have to go eat the Tom Brady diet tomorrow. Yeah. So I think that's very, very helpful. Great it's point. It's reachable. Yeah. yeah, it is very reachable if you do things in small incremental goals. So that's why it's so important when you talk to uh, Tracy Mutton with uh, the Edge Middle Strength that uh, operates out of our, our, the Forge Abilene facility here. She talks about making a large goal, but to have a large goal – You've got to have many, many goals along the way. So to change a habit, you start doing it slowly, one thing at a time, changing your perspective. Yeah. So I remember when I started working out at the Forge, probably been six years ago now, I was out of shape. And so I said, I wasn't going to miss a day for the first six weeks. And, and believe me, there are days I wanted to miss. I was just sore. I was tired. Yeah. I was starting a new thing. My body wasn't used to it. It was muscle confusion. And so I didn't miss that first six weeks. And then my next step was, okay, I've done it six weeks. I haven't missed. I'm feeling better. I'm starting to notice that I enjoy being here. I'm going to go try and see if I can do it for three months. And then I just went for a three-month goal. And then eventually I just, I just did it. You know, I yeah. just got to where I enjoyed working out. I enjoyed it to a point. And you'll listen to your body. There are days and times where you, maybe you need to take a break and do some decompressing and, do, and let your body heal down. But listen to it. But always know that exercise is a very good thing for an overall lifestyle to have many benefits, not just physical, but you'll also be able to think more clearly. You improve your circulation. You'll have less depression. So a lot of times you can do many, many other benefits. And by the way, you sleep better when you exercise too. We just got oh, done yeah. doing a whole segment where we were talking about sleep and the benefits. And Tom Brady says he sleeps nine hours a night. Well, guess what? If you exercise, you get better deep sleep. You get more REM sleep. So your reaction time's better. Your motor skills are better. If you're an athlete, Man, you obviously want great deep sleep, so you need to exercise correctly and make sure you take care of your body and listen to it. Yeah, I love it too. Some people walk in and be like, man, Dr. Dan is in great shape. And, you know, they see exactly, they see the fruit of what you just said. Like you're in here sometimes a day. Sometimes you're in here two two times a day. You know, you do a little strength in the lunchtime and then come back and do a little boot camp. But what a lot of people don't see is how many days you chose to come over here even when you wanted to go home and just be with your family and go go do something else. And so people yeah. don't see the, the work over time. They just see the result, and they realize that none of this comes easy for anybody. It's not easy. Yeah, and also the great thing, too, is I have kids, and uh, most of our listeners probably listening have uh, kids. Guess what? If you exercise, it's been shown in studies that your kids become lifelong exercisers, too. So the great thing about the Forge Abilene is I, my son works out here. My daughters have worked out here. My, my wife works out here. There's a little family bonding time, so we all know that we place an importance on that. Just like if you, you know, place importance on your religion. You're going to go to church because you know if you do that as a family, you'll grow that as well. So, man, start a healthy lifestyle. And if you're listening to the show and you say, I'm going to be the last one in the class, at least you showed up and you beat everybody else who stayed at home. If you're going to think that way, I don't think it's a proper way to think because it's yeah. not a big race or competition. But if you're going to think that way, you beat everybody who stayed home if you showed up that day. So, hey, with that, we'll be right back with, guess what, Tracy Mutton in the Mental Strength Minute. She's going to be talking about how to use your mental strength to improve your athletic skills. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks.
recently read a quote on Twitter from NFL player J.J. Watt that I loved. He said, if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes the sacrifice. I think this is such a great way for athletes to think when working towards their dreams and goals. Many times athletes have to give up certain activities or events to practice or play their sport. They may feel like they don't get to spend enough time with their friends or maybe even participate in things that many their age are doing. But if these athletes don't make some sacrifices now, they may be giving up or sacrificing their ultimate dreams later on. It really is a matter of priorities. These athletes have to make decisions in the present that may affect their future. For some athletes, this is easy. But for many, they need a little help to get a good look at their dreams and set up a game plan for reaching them. Here at The Edge Mental Strength Training, we work with athletes to help them develop a plan for setting and reaching their goals. If you or an athlete you know would like to learn more about this, you can reach us by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. The more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine. Hey, so glad you're listening today. Remember, you can listen to us not only on air here, but you can also catch us on docsandjocks.com or on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. I want to say thank you to all our wonderful listeners. I'm joined uh, right now by Brandon Hawk. Hawk is the longtime uh, athletic trainer with the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Tech Red Raiders, helping me out on my sports medicine radio show here. And Hawk, man, I, I thought that last uh, middle minute was uh, – very tell it, very uh, telling. I, I love what she said. She said, "You have to sacrifice for what you want, or what you want will become your sacrifice." So, yeah. you and I have talked about this a lot of times. That if you are a person with ability, and Bill Gilbert, one of our guests who pitched uh, in the big leagues for the Tigers, talked about this. If you have ability but you don't have effort or drive, in other words, you're not willing to sacrifice to be take that ability to the next level. He was very questionable whether or not he thought you were going to be able to succeed at the next level. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that quote Tracy Munton gave us was great. You and I always stop after the middle minutes and we start thinking about it a little bit. We, we like those kind of things. So, yeah. But that was a great one I think is very telling. And that was a J.J. Watt quote. So, I mean, you talk about a guy that J.J. Watts was a guy that sacrificed. He wasn't a guy that went Division One right off the bat either. They, he wasn't great from the beginning. No. You see now the end product. You think, oh, he had to be great all the way through. He didn't get recruited out of, no. out of high school hardly. So, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, he has a motor that, you know, you know those great coaches we had on those high school coaches. I can't remember the guy's name. But they always said, do you want the guy with the athleticism or the want to? And he goes, I want both. But yeah, that was Coach Jimmy know. Keeling who said that quote. That was a great one. Yeah, <laughs> He was like, you know, but that want to is hard to, hard to teach. And so that, that comes by very few. So J.J. Watt, he definitely has the want to. Hey, mark this down. We need to get Coach Jimmy Keeling back on. We haven't had him on in about okay. a year. He always motivates me every time I talk to him. So let's, let's try it. and get Coach Keeling back on, one of the all-time winningest coaches, both at the high school football level and at the collegiate level, had the winningest program of an entire decade at Hardin Simmons University. So let's get him back on for sure. Okay. Hey, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers power forward Kevin Love. He's been averaging 9.4 rebounds per game and 17.9 points per game. So, man, he's been doing his thing for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers this year for sure. He is now out, and he's going to be out for about uh, eight weeks. He's been out for about a week already, and he fractured his hand, and he fractured his fifth metacarpal, which is the bone on the outside of your hand that goes up and eventually uh, joins to where your pinky come down, comes down and joins it. Uh, it was determined because it was non-displaced, and that means the bone isn't uh, shaped or moved away from itself. So take a stick and you break it, but it's still perfectly sitting together. It still looks like a stick. That's a non-displaced fracture. If you 
take the stick and you fracture it and the two, two ends don't join each other or they're moved away from each other somewhat, that's a displaced fracture. So he has a non-displaced fracture. They're going to let it heal probably in some type of a uh, cast or brace for about eight weeks and he will be back playing basketball again. So good news for them. But I didn't realize Kevin Love was having that good of a year for the Cavs. I mean, almost averaging a double-double with uh, rebounds and points per game. Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's like when uh, they lost Kyrie uh, over to the Celtics, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's like Kevin Love has been able to step up into the role. And, you know, you get a veteran like Dwayne Wade come over. And it uh-huh. seems like they they had a little bit of issues in the beginning. LeBron called his team out. And yeah. they've kind of responded. But uh, it, it seems like, you know, you weren't sure if that Kevin Love trade was effective from Minnesota and uh, years ago. But it seems like it's playing out pretty well for the Cavs right now. And they're going to be a hot team with the second half of the season coming up. Yeah, all they do is gear up for the playoffs. All these teams now just gear up, load up for the playoffs. So Who you cares never know. about the regular season? They just got to get in the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, you know it's going to be the Cavaliers. You know it's going to be the Golden State Warriors. There's a couple other great teams in there. They're always in there like the, the uh, Spurs and stuff. But And LeBron's yeah. a free agent coming up this next wow. year. So where is he going to play? The sky is the freaking <laughs> limit, man. It's like Bryce Harper when he becomes a free agent. Same type of thing. Some of those great talents when they become free agents. It's just, man, it's unbelievable. I think you get to the point that we made – the financial stability in your life that some of these guys think more towards I want to win championships. Absolutely. And then he's going to try and go somewhere where he can win a championship wherever that might be. That would be my take on it anyway. Hey, a big story. You and I can comment about this because I've been a team physician for about 20 years. You've been an athletic trainer both at the uh, collegiate level as well as the uh, college, I mean, a uh, professional level with the Cowboys. TCU football player, Colby, uh, I think you say his name, Listenby is how you say yeah. it. He is a wide receiver or was a wide receiver for the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, coach uh, Gary Patterson is our head coach there. Well, he is now suing the Big 12, TCU, all the TCU coaching staff, the athletic training staff, and the team doctors after he alleges that Coach Patterson, this is one of the many things he alleges, called him soft at team meetings after he had an injury where he suffered an injury to his pelvic ring, and we call that osteitis pubis, but right there where your abdominal muscles go down and attach in your pelvis, there's two bones that come to the, together there, your pubis bones, and they have a there's an opening, and that's when you get it irritated, you call it osteitis pubis. And uh, he states that he was demeaned for his injury. He said he was demeaned both in team meetings. Also, Coach Patterson supposedly had a, had a, uh, a, a presser, and he was talking to how the team was better without him and uh, how he was told by the coaches he needed to go back and play at three weeks, even though the uh, sports medicine staff said he wasn't ready to go back. Also, he alleges that Coach Patterson supposedly told him if he didn't get back and play, he was still going to tell the NFL scouts that uh, he was soft. If you do that, that's a death nail mm-hmm. in a player's you know future uh, NFL history. This player, uh, Colby, ran about a 4-3-40 in the combine, which yeah. is amazing. I mean, the only fastest ones have been, I think the fastest ever is, a 4-2 something, right? I don't think anyone's ever got into Yeah, it was ones. broken this last year, but uh, <coughs> yeah. uh, the running back, uh, for, I can't remember his name, had it forever. Clyde Edmund Gates, who worked out here at us with that D1 winner, 4-2, 40. So, you know, I've, <laughs> I've actually shaken the hand. And another guy, uh, Jesse Ramos, who played for Harden Simmons, ran a 4-2, 40. So That's I, fast, in I, case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah, in case you're wondering, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I raced Clyde Gates one time, and he had a five-yard lead on me after my first step. I do remember that. <laughs> so, uh, But he eventually, the player required a plate be placed across his pelvis, and uh, he states that the coaches made him return to play way too soon, and that's why he needed the surgery. He said it cost him in his draft because he was told that the NFL scouts thought he was soft because of Coach Patterson's words. Let me just start this whole thing off by saying, it, it, there is a never, ever, 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 let me, let me see how the story phrases, ever a good time when a player is injured 
to make the player feel disgruntled or uh, put them in their place or call them soft because of an injury. Everybody's different. Yeah. You and I have done this as team position, as athletic trainer, and you can comment on this. Every player's made different. you got guys that will play on an amputated leg if they had to. Jason Witten. Jason, yeah. yeah you, you've been around those guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to come out. They're going to play. And you have other guys that do not feel like if they are 100%, they are effective, and they do not want to play. Yeah. But it's an injury either way, whether you're tough or whether you're, you know, fall on the, on the other end of the spectrum. And I don't know if it's not tough. It's just different ways we're made up, different psyche. But there's never a place to belittle a player because of an injury. I saw it firsthand one time. I saw a player that was had had his ACL at a young age. He's in middle school. His ACL had been ruptured uh, playing another sport. He was on the sideline with his football team, and a coach came up to him and told him he needed to go sit in the bleachers. So that kid now no longer plays football. And the reason he no longer plays football is he felt like he was belittled and demeaned because he had an injury and he wasn't going to help support a program that he felt like he had been treated that way. Yeah. And the player is a very good talent. So all that to say, I don't know this story up close. I don't know the details of it. Yeah. But as a team physician, as an athletic trainer, our job is really to the athlete to keep them safe at all costs, to do what's best for them. And at the same time, there's never a time where you should belittle a player for being, quote, soft. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, would you agree your experience with me in the Cowboys locker room? And we've seen different players. We know what they're talking about of players who won't play with a blister and those who will. There's just different people, but never belittle I, the player. For I it. think the, the best thing you can do in any type of position where you're put to watch over somebody, in any type of leadership, doctor, trainer, whatever it may be, you have to know who you're dealing with. And so, like you said, you have the players that will play through everything for you, and then you have the guys that – man, I have a little cold today, and I just don't think I can go today, Coach. And so um, I think the biggest thing is, too, is uh, we talk a lot about the mental aspect of injuries, not only the physical recovery but the mental recovery Which and is injuries. Huge, yeah, especially with you know, ACLs. And-, and they talk to us a lot about that in school, about, you know, with you have guys with ACL surgery or whatever it is, season-ending surgery, make sure you spend just as much time letting them feel a part of the team as you do have them away from the team because once they feel that disconnect from the team and nobody cares about them, they're soft, you know, they're just hurt, it's very, very tough for them to come back. And you see it, you know, with this case right here, this guy is just – he feels completely disconnected from his entire football experience because of these coaches and trainers that he felt like weren't in his corner. Many times players take that persona on – that feeling of I'm letting my team down when they're injured already. Yeah. So then when they get that vibe from the coach or from the other players, it just is additive on top of that. So now they really, really take it to heart. And so the bad part of this story is if it is true that because of his being, quote, soft, uh, being told that by his coach, that he now doesn't go in the NFL draft where he would have gone or isn't allowed to get the place he would have played at, that now affects his bottom line and his ability to you know, financially – take care of his family so that that really gets into a whole nother level of you know now i'm not only calling you soft personally but i'm now going to take that out and hopefully uh you know scouts won't look at you yeah it was interesting i I read sports uh illustrated and they said they this could be a money grab but they said uh mr lissaby probably has a good case even though it could be a money grab situation he's got some good points yeah man so So, tough tough anyway to all those who are out there who are injured all those who are out there who are coaches taking care of injured players are dealing with them, and those are like in my world, sports medicine world, athletic trainers, doctors, a little <laughs> lesson to be learned right here from, <laughs> yes. from Colby. So 
Yeah, always take that to heart. Hey, Phoenix Suns, Isaiah Cannon, he had a severe fracture. And if you've seen this one on the news, ooh, ooh it is a tough, tough injury to watch. And he basically has a fractured dislocation of his ankle. So he is he's going down to the ground. He's falling, and his foot gets caught, and it gets rolled out away from him. We call that an eversion ankle sprain. So it goes so far that the ankle goes over and pushes against the outer bone in your lower leg called your fibula and cracks that bone. Well, then it also disrupts the joint. And so because of that, now the, the bone that makes up your ankle joint, it slips out from under. So you dislocate the bone near your ankle, we, and you also have a fracture. So it's a fracture dislocation. And he ended up already had surgery on it. He will be play, he'll be out all this year. Suns are already having a pretty dismal year in the, in the NBA. This doesn't help them to lose their uh, starting uh, forward, Isaiah Cannon. And uh, this is a severe injury that will always require surgery, most always will require surgery, because when you dislocate the ankle and you fracture it, you now have an unstable ankle joint. We call that your ankle mortis joint. And it doesn't, you can't uh, stabilize your foot when you step down on it. So they'll go in, you typically put a screw, hold everything together, a plate on the bone that's fractured, put it all back in line and let that heal entirely so that he can go back out and play. The problem is this is a quick cutting guy that plays in the NFL, I mean the NBA, that that's a hard injury to come back from. You take a simple ankle sprain, cutting is the hardest thing to come back from. Now you take an ankle dislocation fracture, and he's going to have a tough time coming back. Hopefully he'll be back for uh, training camp next year. Yeah, Dr. Dan, I mean, this is uh, this has been a year for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I've, I'm starting to feel for them even as a Dallas Mavericks fan. Uh, you know, they their coach, Jeff Hornacek, was fired early, yeah. like three games three into games the into season. Yeah. You're done. And then, you know, they, they lose – uh, Cannon here on the gruesome, gruesome injury. You know, I think the, that team is depleted. And Jay Triano, uh, who uh, his nephew is here in town, a Harden-Simmons cowboy, uh, Dakota Triano, uh, it's his uncle is the head coach, the interim head coach right now. So I bet uh, Jay Triano is <laughs> wishing <laughs> Steve like, Nash could come yeah, save the day. He's like, what's next? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, it's been a rough year for sure. But, yeah, you hate to see injuries like that because he's definitely going to miss the second half of the season and hopefully be back for training camp, which is going to be tough. Hey, the father of three daughters uh, tried to attack, and I'm, I'm never uh, encouraging uh, ever <laughs> brutal force and physical physical uh, force trying to be the answer to any problem. But in this case, uh, I, I can almost justify it. Father of three daughters tried to attack the convicted sexual abuser, uh, Dr. Larry Nasser of the U.S. Gymnastics Michigan State University uh, team. And uh, he was in the courtroom, and his daughters, two of them had spoken. Another one was getting ready to spoke, and the dad was speaking. And uh, he just bolted for Larry Nasser, and he was getting ready to jump over the desk when the security guards took him down. <laughs> but if there was ever a righteous, justified anger, I think uh, he may have had it. If someone had, had done what uh, Larry Nasser has been accused and convicted of to my three daughters, I don't know if I would. I, I, I don't know if you put me in the same situation if I don't try and do the same thing. So I think I'm not uh, encouraging it, not promoting it. I'm just saying everybody yeah. has their boiling point. That's probably going to get you pretty close. I think if the dad had uh, Colby listen B's four three speed, he would have made it. He would have got him. He was one step and a jump from going <laughs> over the desk when he got caught. We were watching it. We were timing it. He was like, he needed one more step and a jump, and he was going to get there. So, and he was a big dude too, man. Larry Nasser had to be a little nervous. Yes, he should be a little nervous. I hope he is really nervous. Uh, Nate Carnes, who we've had here on Docs and Jocks, he's the Kansas City Royals pitcher, a former uh, Texas Tech Red Raider. He underwent thoracic outlet surgery, which is uh, we've talked about this here on the show before. Uh, it is the uh, on your in your upper shoulder area, 
uh, there is a, a group of nerves called your brachial plexus, and they run through a space called the thoracic outlet. So right there above your clavicle, your collarbone, there's that space. That's called your thoracic outlet. Overhead throwing athletes oftentimes will get crimping of that thoracic outlet. It'll make their arm go real heavy and numb. And uh, he has now been doing working with a therapist, Regan Long, and Regan is basically uh, helping him get his motion back. So he's teaching, get this, we just have 30 seconds here, Hawk. He's teaching athletes how to breathe correctly using their diaphragm so they don't use the over-accessory muscles to pull the ribs up. He says it changes completely how they throw in the thoracic outlet space. This guy has been so successful, Regan Long. We're going to try and get uh, him on, on here. He's with TMI Sports Medicine. That several pitchers and players like Tyson Ross for the Rangers chose to choose, stay with the Rangers as opposed to go into the Cubs because he wanted to be close to his therapist. So yeah. if you're a really good sports medicine doctor, you can really have players make decisions based on you being close to where they are, a therapist or athletic trainer. Pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Epstein was pretty upset to lose him. But, uh, man, congrats to the Rangers for using TMI. <laughs> there you go, man. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech, and Sports Clips. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is Dr. Dan, your longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, talking to you about what's going on in the sports medicine world. Joined this week by Brandon Hawk. Hawk is the former athletic trainer for the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Tech Red Raiders. Now he's a producer of my show, Docs and Jocks. And Hawk, man, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. You and I read this article a while back, and we were like, we've got to have Jake on. So yeah. we are very, very honored to have on Jake Olson. He is the uh, USC long snapper, football player for uh, University of Southern California. Uh, Jake lost his vision when he was uh, age 12 from retina, retinoblastoma. He has uh, now been the finalist for the Collegiate Man of the Year Award, as well as the uh, recipient of the Ronnie Lott Impact Trophy. Jake, thank you so much for being on Docs and Jocks. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Well, you know, just reading your story, you know, it's so inspirational what you've done and what you have overcome to become a football player for the University of Southern California. Walk us through, take us back when you were age 12 and, and you first met Pete Carroll and, you're, and you love the USC football team. Take us back during that time of your life and what happened then uh, that transformed you. Yeah, well, uh, back when I was 12 years old, it was you know, the fall of 2009 and uh, you know, the cancer, you know, for 12 years and we were battling with the cancer and uh, it, the cancer had taken my left eye at the age of eight months old. So, you know, I left my right eye and we, we fought. 12 years with the cancer to, to, to keep the, my sight and my remaining eye. Well, when the fall of 2009 came along, the, the cancer had come back, and the doctor said that I was going to have to lose that eye as well, meaning I'd go completely blind. So that obviously was a tough situation. You know, it was, it was, it was a, a very tough situation, and I was angry. I was, I was sad. I was scared. Um, you know, I, I didn't know really what my life was going to be like after I lost my sight. And in that time was was when Coach Carroll heard about my predicament and invited me up to just be kind of part of the team, you know, just, just to be surrounded by my my, uh, my heroes and, and the team that I love so much. And, so cool. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was something that he just did out of the goodness of his heart. And, you know, what a gracious man. And so, you know, he, he made me part of that team, and that, and that was just an absolutely amazing experience and just, Something that helped me get through again. You know, one of the darkest times in my life, and you know, I'm forever grateful for for uh, him extending that. Uh, like I said, uh, grace, grace. 
So you have been a USC football fan long before you became a USC football player that this last year. They've been your team that you followed and, and loved all the way through your whole childhood. Yeah, yeah. I grew I grew up, you know, in Southern California and, and my dad received his MBA from USC, so definitely grew up being a huge Trojan fan down here. You know, I love what you said, Jake, too. You said uh, when you found out with retinoblastoma going to take your vision, you were angry, you were sad, and you were scared. A lot of people, I think, in life when they face obstacles, and, man, I'm telling you, I've faced no obstacle like you have with blindness, that they let that anger, that sadness, that, that feeling of being scared take over their lives. When did you realize uh, after you lost your vision that you still had a plan in your life and you were still going to try and achieve goals like becoming a long snapper for USC? Well, you know, going, going, you know, because I, I found out, you know, early October, my surgery was scheduled for like mid-November. So, you know, there was about a month and a half there of knowing I was going to go blind. And, you know, so that, that thought kind of tormented me, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, the, 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 the anger and stuff, you know, was, was built up in that about that month and a half time. But really, after I went blind and, you know, realized, you know, the week, week following and, and, and really just, Okay, I guess I can't see, and I, and I realize that. But I also realize, okay, this, you know, it's not the end of the world. I can still go, uh, you know, achieve the things I want to. And that was, you know, one of the things I really wanted to, to, I guess, focus on is not letting blindness ruin my life, not letting blindness, you know, rob me of my childhood at the time or rob me of my future. And so, you know, I just, I, I guess, after finding twelve years of cancer, you know, I developed kind of the stubbornness and yeah. ability to overcome adversity, and Heck I just yeah. applied it to blindness and really. Again, I mean, understood there was going to be difficulties, and I, trust me, I was living with the difficulties. You know, I still do live with some of the difficulties, but understanding, okay, yes, it, it, it's difficult, and sometimes it's more difficult than the next compared to the next guy. But I'm not going to therefore then surrender my my hopes and dreams because of the difficulty. Oh, that's awesome! So, when did you first get the idea in your head? I can become a long snapper, and I can play for the team of my dreams, the USC Trojans. When, when, who helped you with that thought process, and when did that come about? Well, I went into high school, uh, and I guess to preface that, my, I continued to play in my, you know, I went, so when I was 12 years old, so I was in seventh grade when I blind, and I continued to play my eighth grade um, flag football team, even after going to my center. And, uh, but, you know, it was kind of fun out there. It was, you know, it wasn't anything, obviously, it was flag football. It was competitive, but, I mean, it just wasn't anything, anything too serious. And I went to uh, to a high school in the league where it was, you know, it was very serious. Um, yeah. You know, we would play some of the toughest high schools in all of all of America, and so I didn't think I had a, really a place out there. So I didn't play my freshman or sophomore year, but I really missed being on the field, and I just had this burning desire to get back on there. And uh, and so again, you know, I decided, okay, let's not let blindness, you know, rob me of this opportunity. And so I, I figured out, you know, the long time position, and really worked hard going into my junior year of high school to try to earn a spot on the team, and uh, and I did, and I actually, you know, earned the starting position, so I started my junior and senior year of high school, and at the time, I really wasn't too focused on, you know, playing the next level, you know, I just was enjoying that time, and uh, I, I knew I wanted to go to USC, and, you know, I figured probably, you know, I was going to be part of the football team to some extent, not obviously as a player, but as, you know, you know, since 12, I've been around that program. So right, I, right. I was going to be part of that program to some extent. I didn't know what. But sure enough, you know, going up as a, as a high school now athlete on the football team, you know, I was, I was therefore coming at the practice. I was seen as a recruit. And that's what they kind of started seeing me as. And 
uh, you know, J.K. McKay and, and uh, Pat Hayne at the time, along with uh, Sark, you know, they were saying, okay, well, if you're, you're going to come to the school, you know, we, you know how to launch that, you know, let's, let's give you a walk-on spot here on the team. And uh, so they kind of implanted that in my mind, and that, that just completely, you know, just changed, changed everything. It was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to go to USC, but I'm going to be able to be on the team. And, uh, wow. and you know, and, and exhibit, you know, my talents as, as a football player, which is just, you know, obviously was amazing. And, you know, the last last couple of years on the team have, have been absolutely amazing as well. Man, if you're listening to this show right now, Docs and Jocks, and you're not inspired, I, I think you need to check for a heartbeat because right now, man, I got tingles <laughs> all over. So take me to that first game. I believe it was Western Michigan, I believe you're playing. And take yeah. us through, you know you're going to go out, you know you're going to long snap. Or you may or may not know, but you think you may may that may be the game. Take us through that game where you're not going to do your long snapping for the team of your dreams, the team that when you were 12 years old, Pete Carroll let you go down the locker room and be part of the team. The last thing you saw was part of your vision. Take us through that moment where you're getting ready to go long snap against Western Michigan. Well, I, I you know, coach coach had confided me that I was definitely going to snap that day, and so I was you know I was all geared up as you can imagine, and uh, and so I was just waiting for my moment, and uh, that moment finally came, and it was. Uh, you know, I, there was definitely there's definitely some nerves just from the, you're just playing the for USC, I, yeah, exactly. right, right. And I realized the significance <laughs> of the moment, and yeah. uh, but at the same time, you know, it was like okay, you know, something I've done tens of thousands of times. You know, it's, it's, it's just yeah. I know how to snap. I know what I'm I'm doing out there. So let me just go do it. You know, let me just go go do what I know how to do and, and enjoy it afterwards. And so, um, you know, that's what I did. I you know I felt peace out there. But I mean, it was it just was a surreal i mean i just being out there in a live game and just you know having that snap i mean it's just it it was absolutely unreal and just so fun i mean it's just honestly so fun to be out there you know playing ball and just to be out there on the uh on the coliseum turf and so uh it's 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 something that i hope i get to do a lot more and it's just uh you know again, i'm really grateful for the opportunity and, and something that you know, just thinking about right now, put a smile on my face. I mean, it's, it's, it's a memory I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. Well, talk about putting a smile on your face. Your, your former uh, USC uh, head coach, Pete Carroll, he said uh, when they asked him what uh, he felt like when he was watching you do that long snap. Remember, Pete Carroll, for our listening audience, was the, was the head coach at USC when Jake lost his vision and he asked or is going to lose his vision. He asked to see one more USC game. Pete was kind enough to ask him to come down into the locker room, be part of the game. So Pete Carroll's now watching. You know, he's obviously Seattle Seahawks head coach. And his quote was, I couldn't stop crying uh, when he saw your successful long snap. So tell us about that relationship with you and uh, Coach Carroll. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, he, he really made me part of, of the Trojan family. I mean, I was I was with that team for the rest of you know, in 2009, I was, I was, you know, with that team for the majority of the season. You know, we, we spent, um, you know, I, went, I traveled to Notre Dame with them. I spent hotels. So, I mean, we got, we got really close. And, you know, obviously Coach Carroll left after that season to go up to, to uh, Seattle. And, you know, it's been there since. But even then, I mean, the first, the first season at Seattle, you know, he invited me up for, for a game and, you know, got to be with the team and everything. Uh, I've been on a couple of preseason games. I've been to many multiple, you know, obviously home games. I've been to both Super Bowls. Um, Pete Wagon. I mean, you know, so anytime, anytime Coach Karen and I are, are in the same vicinity, man, you know, we, we get together. I mean, even this last season after the Washington State game, uh, I, I drove to Seattle and, and uh, you know, was able to see Coach there and, and, and hang out with him for a little bit before they played the Colts on Sunday night. So, I mean, it was, it just was, he's just a good friend. I mean, he's absolutely a, a good friend, a mentor of mine. Um, you know, he calls me his hero and, um, you know, he's just someone I, I really look up to and, and, and really glad that I, uh, I've been able to, 
you know, build build a friendship and a relationship with, and it's it's something that I know is going to continue as we go. And you know, I think I think him and I are definitely in store for some really cool um, activities, especially as I grow older and, and um, you know we start focusing on kind of both our mentalities. That is so cool. Hey, you're listening to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. We're interviewing Jake Olson, a USC long snapper who lost his vision at age 12. And Jake, uh, for those of our listening audience, and I just learned this about you. I was reading some of your uh, articles about you and talking to your athletic trainer, Louis Duran, and he mentioned that you were also a scratch golfer. So tell us <laughs> tell us how, you, uh, how, how that works. Uh, you and your dad, I think, uh, work tandemly together. Tell us how you uh, learned the golf, game of golf and how that's working out for you. That might be a little generous, um, but that's what no, your trainer said. I, so I, we're, we're we're taking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know, golf's definitely been a passion of mine ever since I was really young. And uh, to be honest, I mean, before going blind, that was really what I, I decided I wanted to focus on as I as I matured. And uh, and so going blind obviously was a setback, and um, you know, had to had to relearn really how to make contact with the ball. You know, and uh, it was both going blind as well as you know, I was like 12, 13, I grew like six, seven inches. So that jacked up my swing as well. So, I mean, it just was a host of host of problems. And so, you know, we, we, we put a lot of hard work into it and, uh, you know, played, played on, uh, you know, got, got and played on my varsity team in high school and, you know, eventually got to a point where I was playing better than I had ever had, you know, with sight and, and continued and, uh, to play better. And so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's something I really love. I'm going to definitely, um, put more time into it as, you know, I get to, during the offseason, get uh, more time in it as you know now, but in the fall, obviously, it's a little harder. But um, you know, after after uh, I graduate from USC, something I definitely wanted to go put more time into. And you know, I've, I've seen the potential I have, I've seen the talent I have, and uh, I want to see how far that can take me. So it's, it's something that uh, again I love and is 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 really cool. Um, you know, I I can walk you guys through if you really want to exactly how it works. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. oh no no. So okay. I, we heard that your dad helps kind of line you up, tells you kind of the direction of the wind and how far it is. So you're basically then just basically going on the, all the feel of it. Then is that correct? Yeah, I mean, if you know if you were to mic us up out there, it'd be it'd be just normal caddy golfer yeah, conversation right, of right. you know the distance and everything. Where I mean, the only thing that's different is again, you know, we'll, we'll select our club like any other golfer would, yeah. and then basically. Uh, you know, he'll put the club behind um, the ball, make sure the ball is, you know, square. The club face, the club face is square the target. You know, I'll take my stance, and he backs up, and then, again, there from there is just my swing and my feel. Um, you know, with short game, obviously, he becomes a little more touchy with um, discussing the shot he wants. Okay, Jake, it's like 18 yards to 10. You know, you're going to be going up on the green. Um, you know, you got 12 yards of rough and then six yards of green. So, you know, we can kind of talk about the, the kind of the shot we want to, want to hit there. Um, but, Beyond that, you know, you know, with with full swings and you know, so the awesome. drivers, it's just straightforward. Well, Jake, you're not only my favorite collegiate football player; you're now my favorite golfer of all time, and I know you're going to be successful <laughs> at that as well. So, man, I wish you all the best in that. Hey, if someone wants to give uh, to research to helping stop retinoblastoma and the blindness that it causes, how would they do so? I know you have an organization called OpenYourEyes.org. Can they give through that or learn more about it through that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, CHLA, the 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 hospital. I mean, they do some great research. But yeah, um, I actually I actually have a foundation called Out of Sight Faith, and uh, and you can look that up. With, um, yeah. You know, just by googling it, and um, you know, we 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 uh, we give a lot of money to that uh, to the cancer research as well. So, um, you know, if you have any questions, you know, I'm at Jay Golson sixty one, um, and on on Instagram and Twitter, so you can just DM me, and and, and uh, we'll, we can figure out the best way to go from there. And it's out of sight. 
faith.com. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'll say faith is my foundation, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, definitely going to do that. And then uh, I want to give a shout-out. I guess you're a service dog, Q. Tell us about Q here in our last minute. <laughs> yeah, go back. Go back to my, uh, my yellow lab. He's been, he's been with me for uh, close to seven years, and he's, I'm sure, I'm sure Lou has told you guys, he's, yeah. he's, he's uh, the, the, the team favorite, man. Everyone, everyone uh, puts up with me because of Quebec. Oh, that's awesome, man. I want to give a big shout-out to him. also want to give a big shout-out to your athletic trainer, uh, Louis Duran, there with USC. Yep. So, Jake, I just want to say from uh, Docs and Jocks and all of our great listeners here on our Sports Medicine Radio Show, man, you are an inspiration. And if anyone ever feels like there's an obstacle that's too big to overcome, I think Jake Olson's story will motivate you to help become better than where you are currently. And, man, he didn't let anger, he didn't let sadness, he didn't let being scared about blindness, which is huge, overcome him being successful in life and becoming one of his dreams, which is a USC football player and now a golfer. And, Jake, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for coming on Docs and Jocks. Yeah, guys, thank you for having me. Fine on. All right, and it's Out of Sight Faith. That's his uh, organization. Go there and find out how you give to help stop retinoblastoma. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and, jo- Texas sport and Spine, joined each week by my co-host Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University out in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Ferris, uh, give us an update on Grand Canyon University, where they're at right now, getting ready to... I'll probably do your conference tournament in basketball. Got some great things going on. The baseball season is kicking off. New stadium, $17 million renovation. Give us some of those updates. Yes, the stadium is great. They uh, It's great because, um, you know, they're building a ton of new stadiums. This one, they kept the name. Uh, it's going to be Brazzle Field at GCU Ballpark, which is nice uh, to keep Coach B, who started the athletics program there at Grand Canyon University and coached uh, the baseball team for so many years. Uh, that opens officially. Their practices in there and everything. On the 16th, which is Chinese New Year, by the way. I don't think that's why they did it. But it's on the 16th and uh, playing TCU, which is great because we're GCU, purple and white and black. And they're TCU, purple and white and black. So I don't know who's going to know who's up, who's not up. I mean, (laughs) their road uniforms are exactly like our road uniforms and vice versa. So that might be a little confusing. Um, I think their guys will be a little bit bigger than our guys. But uh, looking forward to that one. Team was picked to finish uh, first in the WAC by a lot of guys. They won it last year, only lost two games in conference or four games, I think it was. Um, Won the whole thing, but uh, didn't get to compete in the tournament. And then in in basketball, you know, New Mexico State beat us. Utah Valley beat us. But um, we're getting ready to head back down to New Mexico State. We'll probably be the number two or three seed in the tournament, which is uh, first weekend of March. And you know, it all comes down to if you win the tournament, you get to go play in March Madness. If you don't, your season's pretty much done. So it's kind of down to one and done. The women are playing much better, too, and they'll have a shot to win their tournament as well. Very, very exciting things happening out at Grand Canyon University. Yeah. So if you ever want to hear Ferris uh, do a broadcast, how would they do that? Listen, you do a baseball or basketball broadcast. What, what do they go to? You know, the baseball is going to be streamed on uh, GCU TV. So just go to – best way is just go to gculopes.com, look on the schedule page, and it'll either have Listen Live, click on it, take you to 1580, and you can download the app there for radio, or it'll take you right to the broadcast on uh, GCU TV. 
You know, one of the things Ferris does great, he's like the Vin Scully of uh, college baseball. Uh. He does it on his own. He, he broadcasts these games with nobody else. He's like, I'm like, how do you talk, Ferris, for three and a half hours by yourself? I do two hours here each week with you on Docs and Jocks. And uh, if I didn't have you, I feel like I'm talking to myself. Do you ever get the feeling when you're in the box talking by yourself for about a three-hour, four-hour game sometimes that you're just uh, talking to yourself uh, and nobody's listening? Well, it's a dream come true, man. You can talk, you can say whatever you want, you can talk as much as you want, nobody interrupts you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and it's watching baseball. I mean, I, I personally, um, you know, Keith Jackson said it, uh, Dick Emberg said it, all these greats who have passed away. They all say you just, you know, you do your job, you identify some things, you throw a few stories around, you do a few things. There are a few things you have to do, um, describe, identify, that type of thing really on TV. And then you get out of the way. It's all about the game. And the game, just things pop up during the game that are, are, lead you to talk about them you know you notice yeah. if i mean if you know the game baseball's more than any other you notice little things like oh that guy took one extra step on first base is he gonna run what's the count what inning is it so you get to kind of talk that through as the game's unfolding so if i get out to phoenix are you gonna let me uh, co-host a game with you out there kind of co-broadcast or is that against your contract do you have contractual things that limit that i can do whatever i want <laughs> okay done. yeah we'll just we'll just throw you in the booth and it'll be it'll, we'll just do the whole thing you say we're gonna by the time they knew it, they'd be over. They'd be over. <laughs> yeah, we'll tell them to do a nine-inning guest spot with me. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll just do it. I'm like, who's that guy? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's on, man. It's on. If you haven't heard Ferris, dude, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I say this. He's one of the best baseball broadcasters I personally have ever heard. I enjoy his stories. He's very. Uh, he keeps you in the game, keeps you updated on what the score is. He's just, just good at it, man. Just just go ahead and uh, catch him at GCU. What was it again? GCULopes.com. Lopes. Go to the schedule com. page. We'll be there. Perfect. Hey, another big game that you might know about Ferris that's going to be on uh, TV this weekend is the Super Bowl. Uh, Patriots cornerback Malcolm Butler, the star of Super Bowl uh, 50, two, two Super Bowls ago. Remember, he's the one who made the great uh, catch that uh, oh, I remember. the Seahawks. Oh, you remember. <laughs> yeah. You were going for Russell yeah. Wilson, weren't you? And uh, he's had a medical illness all week, and so he's been receiving IV fluids and is practicing. But, man, this is something that is going around right now. There's several players that have been out with the flu. Even the uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they haven't been uh, immune to this. Uh, Timmy uh, Jornigan, the defensive tackle, has also been dealing with an illness that's been described as possibly the flu. And uh, he's the only player that has not participated for both teams. Malcolm Butler is back. But I just go to t- this. You People always say, well, I got a flu shot and I still got the flu. The flu shot doesn't decrease your risk of getting the flu to zero. What they're trying to do when you get a flu shot, Ferris, is they're trying to guess the strain of the influenza virus that is coming your way based on what's already been seen. Well, here's the bad thing about viruses. They are very, very smart, and they can mutate into different versions of themselves before they get to you, which now you've taken a vaccine that might catch one strain but hasn't caught another strain. So the problem is viruses are always trying to stay one step ahead of our vaccines. So if you got a vaccine this year, because this year has been, been uh, noted that it hasn't been as effective as years past, it doesn't decrease your risk to zero in the first place. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't harm you if you get it because a lot of people, especially elderly, sick, people have Im- depressed immune systems, they're very susceptible not only getting the flu but then getting a fulminant full-body pneumonia, sepsis, in other words, things that cause your whole entire body to start shutting down. So the flu kills thousands of people every year. So I'm just telling you, if don't fall in the trap of, oh, I took the vaccine, it didn't work, I'm not going to get it next year. If you can do anything that decreases your risk to get a bad viral infection like influenza, man, please take it. So I would heavily recommend that you still get the influenza virus, even if it wasn't effective for you in this certain year, don't give up on it. 
It is weird that they're all coming down with it now. I mean, most everybody I knew got it around Christmas time, got it around, you know, all the travels, yeah. all the families, it's kids different. coming home from school. But, yeah, it's kind of weird that it's hitting at this time. Maybe it's, you know, probably a lot of it with the excitement and the stress and the not sleeping and the, yeah. all that stuff, you know, going around, too. But it is cold up there where they play. It's, what, like nine below or something in Minnesota? It's getting yeah. crazy cold up there. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, tough to get over. You know, the flu, you're usually going to have to run its course in, you know, seven to ten days if you get a, a – a Tamiflu or a medicine like that that decreases the viral sheddings, it can actually decrease it to three to five days. So if you feel that high fever, body rigors, chills, those things coming on, make sure that you get those medicines early. And that's what a lot of these guys do. So you see a guy like Malcolm Butler who started the week with the influenza virus. You don't see it lasting as long as what you would sometimes expect if it just ran its entire course. So that's good too as well. Always get that. If you feel the symptoms of influenza virus, the flu happening early, always make sure you go see your physician right then because it can take something that's going to last 7 to 10 days, make it maybe last 3 to 5 days, maybe not be quite as severe, and you're not out of missing work or games or whatever. So make sure you get, get to the doctor early. And if you still got it and you're going to play in a Super Bowl, you just got to play, you got to suck it up, and you got to make it work. I mean, Michael Jordan, you know, he played with the flu against Utah and scored like uh, 372 points or something like that. You know, I mean, he had the greatest game of his career. Um, with the flu, so you know yeah. it can be done. He'll be all right. You'll be all right. Yeah, I, if uh, and I do remember having a couple times in my uh, athletic career where I had a illness, and I remember I, I played better. And I don't ever know what that is. I don't know what the Michael we'll call it the Michael Jordan phenomenon, but I think it was that I was so relaxed, it made me forget about the nervousness, the stress, the mental anxiety you go through before games because all you're focused on is man, I feel miserable. I don't know if I can play tonight. And I was good enough that I could play. And when I went out there, I just kind of let it flow. And so so it, it taught me a couple things that if I could just get in the flow of the game, mm-hmm. half my battle is with me. You know, half my battle is against the other guy, but half the battle is with me learning to relax into the moment. Because when you can relax, when you're ready but you're relaxed, you can do things so much quicker. You can be so much more effective. The other thing I think I did when I was sick was – and this may be what Michael Jordan does, you tend to rest more than you normally do. And so there was mm. a big study that came out. Tom Brady came out with this study, from, or sorry, with this article, where the Patriots are now doing more sleep. And so we talked mm. about, there was, remember we had on Dr. Charles Seisler, he's one of the world's premier sleep experts. And he was talking about mm-hmm. some of the amazing statistics that sleep allows you to do. If you just get a little bit more REM sleep, Ferris, it actually uh, increases uh, your body's ability to do like your reaction time is a half second quicker. Think about that with how quick that is in sports. A half second is two or three steps, probably four or five steps for a defensive back if he reacts quick enough to a wide receiver as opposed to being sleep deprived and he's right. half a second slower. So there are many that your reaction time is amazingly quicker and your motor skills are much, much better. They're actually, your motor skills are 16, 16% improved with more sleep. In other words, just a little bit more REM deep sleep. So Tom Brady does a deal where he goes to bed every night at 9 o'clock so that he can guarantee that he has a good full nine hours of sleep before he's out playing. Then the Patriots have actually put in, into their facility, they've now put in sleep rooms where the day of the game, so day, the same day schedule, they will sleep whenever they feel tired. So they install sleep rooms. Before his very first Super Bowl victory, he woke up just before warm-ups. He actually came out a little bit late because he'd been in the taking a two-hour nap right before he went out to play the game. Who did? Brady did? Tom Brady. Yeah, came out in this article and talked about it. So he goes wow. to bed at 9 p.m. 
he always assures that he's getting a full nine hours of sleep. Then he takes naps, usually before he plays big games, he'll take a nap. And if he feels tired, the Patriots will have their players go in and take a nap. I'm always a little bit nervous about this because I know my 17-year-old son, if I give him this information, you know what he's going to be doing? <laughs> Sleeping all the time. Away. Sleep his life away. So. so, I mean, you really believe, I mean, I guess it's true, but I, he's got young kids, right? Yeah. Like, is he just an absentee father? I know, I know all the shows, he's like playing with the kids and everything. Is he like an absentee father during football season? Because everything you're telling me he does to prepare... Even, we're already up at like 36 hours in a day. <laughs> yeah. Like, like literally, he's, if he sleeps nine, you know, what are we down to now? 13 or f- 15 hours left in your entire day? You're going to practice and watch film at least 10 of those. You got five hours left for family. You got to eat. You got to, I mean, come on. If you sleep nine hours, you can watch all that film in condensed 15 minute version time. You can watch it fast on fast speed. No, I'm just joking. You just, you just pick it yeah. up. You just, but, I, but I do know that. You know, my parents grew up in an era, and Ferris and I are about 50 years old, if you haven't seen us uh, before. So my parents were born in the Depression. They were born in a time when most families were farmers. They were used to trying to go to sleep not too long after the sun went down, and they were used to getting up when the sun came up. So in my family growing up, everybody, my parents, the kids, we all went to bed at 9 o'clock, and we got up at about uh, 6 or 7, probably 6. So we were always getting a full nine hours of sleep, and we went to bed at that same time as a family. So I think that's what the the modern world now, we've gotten so fast, so busy, so many things going on, that we feel like we now need to stay up later to get all those things in. I don't think it's a bad thing if we were able to step back and get our kids to bed earlier, get ourselves to bed earlier, and get a full nine hours of sleep. Good sleep, because REM, deep sleep, has been shown to improve your motor skills 16%, decrease your action time by half a second, which is huge when you're talking about the athletic world. So, oh, no, I, yeah. Yeah, I agree 100% with the sleep. My thing is just like, when just the things, the I mean, when do you do it? How do you sleep nine, ten hours? Like how, I mean, I get it, what you're saying, too. You do have to peel back on some of that other stuff, but... You know, Tom Brady's like, oh, this is my protocol. This is what I do. I do two hours of stretching. I do eight hours of this. I do four hours of oxygen. Dude, that's like 48 hours in a day. Like, (laughs) I mean, you can't do all of that stuff. Unless you're like you and you've gone primal and paleo and you only eat like maybe once or twice a week. Well, that's true. I eat once a month, whether I need it or not. But I, you know, I don't know, dude. I, you can sense it. I'm getting Tom Brady overload, right? <laughs> yeah, I am too. I went through the, hey, I love Brady, young guy doing good. He got some breaks. He won. Then I went through, oh, I'm tired of this guy. Then I went back through, oh, this old guy's doing it. Good for Tom Brady. Now I'm like, dude, quit telling me how perfect your life is. <laughs> Everything that comes out is you're a, you're the perfect individual. I'm tired of it. I don't yeah. want to hear any more. Go Eagles. You know why you're tired of it? Because you're sleepy. Because you don't get enough sleep, Ferris. That's why you're yeah. tired of it. No, it is my fault. It can't be his fault. He's perfect. <laughs> if it wasn't Tom Brady, I probably shouldn't have used Tom Brady in this uh, whole, whole whole article I just read. I probably should have made up like it was. Who? If I made it, if this would have been Russell Wilson, you would have been good. If this would have been Tim Tebow, you would have been jacked about this whole story. I would have said, of course, he doesn't need to sleep. He just he just talks to God twenty four seven. Walks on water. Need. That's exactly yeah, right. But, but it is sleep. my theory when people get sick, like they have influenza, and they come out and they play well, you know, after they kind of get over it, like Michael Jordan. My theory is that they slept more than they normally do going into that, and they're very relaxed mentally. That's my two theories behind the Michael Jordan phenomenon. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think there, I think there are just some people like, like I think there's normal people who, and I think there's just people who are just they're, they're genetically they're just something about them. They're, I yeah. mean, they work really hard, they do that stuff, but there's just something about them. 
Tom Brady, look, I get great kudos to him, everything, blah, blah, blah. He's the best. He's probably he's got to be the best of all time, right? You got to figure that he's the best of all time. He's there. He's in the short, uh, short list for sure. Yeah, I mean, but and he's made a lot work. I mean, he's not he's not a great athlete like an Elway was, and he's so he's done it. I just I just get tired of their kind of force feeding down us like what a wonderful, perfect human being he is at 40 years old, you know, and I'm just like, all right, people are going to start finding some dirt here in a little bit, Tom, so be ready. Okay, here's where we, here we go now. So our last minute here before we go out here on Docs and Jocks, we got you got to actually give us your pick. Who are you picking? Oh, I get and it. Try and do it objectively. I know you hate the Patriots. You hate Tom Brady. It's been no, no, I don't hate him. For the last five him. minutes, it's been apparent. It's, it's apparent. Or jealous. I love I don't know Bill what Belichick. Envious, jealous, hate him. I don't know which one it is. I love it's both. I love <laughs> Bill Belichick. I love him. If I if I if I if my Cleveland Browns, who I'm a fan of now, I would call <laughs> Bill Belichick's agent and say, I'll give you ten years, hundred and twenty million dollars to come here. I would pay whatever because I think he's I think he and Nick Saban are far and away the two best football coaches going right now. So, anyway. So Patriots Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles 31-24. Woo! Where They're going to go, get to man. Brady. The luck's going to run out. They shouldn't have beat Seattle. They shouldn't have beat uh, Atlanta. Both those teams played right into their hands and let the give them a chance. Eagles are going to get after Brady. It's going to be hard going for them. Eagles 31-24. All right, we're marking the tape. So next week we'll see, man. Well, who do you got? Well, I'm actually going for the Patriots, man. I'm actually thinking the Patriots are going to win. I just I have seen it too many times, and I would say that the Eagles yeah. overall are, are, are a great team, but I just have, unless history changes for some unknown reason, the gotta Patriots stop. just always figure out a way to do it. So got to stop sometimes. It's not Eli Manning they're playing, so they're going to win. Hey, no. you've been listening to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Hey, we want to say thank you to all our listeners, all our wonderful guests, Coach Ty Harrington, Coach Steve Trout, as well as Jake Olson. Hey, thank you for all you guys coming on the show. Hey, we'll see you next week on your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks.